So usually we start our episodes with a funny little quip or joke, um, but this episode is dropping on Canada's first National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. The day honors the lost children and survivors of residential schools, their families, and communities. Public commemoration of the tragic and painful history and ongoing impact of residential schools is a vital component of the reconciliation process. So we just wanted to um, acknowledge that because Mm -hmm. this episode comes out on that very painful day. Yes, and um, we decided that we were going to do Canadian stories for this episode um, in acknowledgement of that and just to show um, that we are, uh, we stand with the Indigenous community. And um, I specifically Mm -hmm. I chose stories that were actually sent in from um, someone who was is from Saskatchewan, and uh, I just decided that this was a good opportunity to do some research into those uh, to those areas. Mm-hmm. So I will be sharing stories from there, and Marie will be doing one for Mississauga. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, so we just wanted to say that we uh, we stand with the d- Indigenous community, and um, we hope. All the Canadians and really anyone listening to this podcast does um, their research and educate themselves on um, all the things that I think that as Canadians, we need to know uh, where we came from and uh, why Mm -hmm. we live the way we do and what we've taken from from those that were here before us. Yeah. And how it affects us and those communities today, us being yes in a privileged position not mm-hmm. in a bad position obviously yeah so so other than that uh we will back. go into our <laughs> yeah. regular paranormal programming we just uh we felt like we needed to address that for sure um as we often do with um things that are timely and especially on the day that the, the episode comes out so absolutely So that being said, we can move into horoscopes, and uh, I think Marie's going first this time. Yeah, so I will read you yours. So Perfect. Are you involved in an important group activity, possibly with close friends? Possibly this podcast. Hmm. If so, (laughs) you might be working on a vital task, probably involving communication. A love partner (laughs) might also be involved. You can be rather intense at times like this, so don't come on too strong with those around you. Use all your people skills, be a good listener, and you should accomplish what you want. Interesting. I mean, there's, yeah, I was just kind of, we were just talking about uh, that. Mm -hmm. I mean, the podcast, obviously, we know Marie is taking a maternity leave from it, so uh, we have to kind of figure things out on that front uh obviously i actually like did ask admir for his input the other day on kind of you know just navigating the podcast without you for a little bit mm-hmm. um and uh and yeah we both agreed that if i was pregnant how we would want <laughs> to go about something like that <laughs> yeah. um and uh and yeah so i, I guess that's kind of I think it was pretty I think it's pretty accurate. on point. Yeah. I think there's a few things going on that's like involving right now communication. I mean, my f- whole mm-hmm. career, but there's a lot of just other random <laughs> stuff right now. So I feel like that's very, very accurate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Perfect. Good. Okay. Gemini. Mm-hmm. You could be feeling energetic and driven. 
There's something you feel you absolutely (laughs) must work on today. Chances are you won't be able to shake this conviction. So it's best if you just roll up your sleeves and get it going. You'll undoubtedly get more accomplished than usual and be proud of the results. So 100% yes. Um, Wow. Okay. Tell me. Yeah. So I noticed yesterday it started where for the first time in probably months, I woke up and was like, oh my God, I'm not in as much pain as I'm usually in, like physical pain. (laughs) So I cleaned my entire house because I was like, I don't know when I'm going to get this chance again. Almost the entire house. Mm -hmm. And then today I was like, oh, I can finish cleaning the house because I still have this energy. And if I don't do it now, it's not going to get done before the baby gets here because he's coming soon. So yeah. I I did. I really deep cleaned my bathroom. Uh, Beauty. <laughs> and was like, should I or shouldn't I? Because like, I'm not sure if I should be using bleach. But then I was like, uh, he's like almost here. I'm pretty sure. And then I Googled a bunch of shit and I was like, I'm fine as long as I'm like careful with it. So mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Don't um, drink it. Yeah. Long story short, I had a drive to clean the house today, got it done, and uh, now all that's left is laundry. So I'm feeling pretty good. Awesome. Mm -hmm. That's great. The only Um, thing that I, the thing was where it said, uh, there's something you feel you must work on today. (laughs) That was supposed to be my hospital bag. Like I wanted to get it packed mm. um, and didn't because I was cleaning. So tomorrow... um, I have the day off, so I will just be doing that tomorrow. Lovely. And that's all. Beauty. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Well, um, are you ready to share your story? I am ready to share my story with the class. <laughs> now I feel like I want to read it like, <laughs> who are the ghosts of... Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, I chose a story from Mississauga, Ontario. I chose mm-hmm. the story of Cherry Hill. Yes. And I, I've actually never heard of Cherry Hill, which is surprising to me. And you'll see why. Um, so I had multiple sources. Uh, there's an article uh, on um, modernmississauga.com. Uh, called Who Are the Ghosts of Mississauga's Cherry Hill by Ron Duquette. There was an, another article uh, called Is Cherry Hill House Haunted by Insaga, or on Insaga, which did not um, provide their journalist's name. So if anybody knows, uh, let me know. And Wikipedia. So, whew. When Joseph Silverthorne, a United Empire loyalist, built his family home in 1822 at the corner of Dundas and Cothra Road in Mississauga, the area was nothing but wilderness. Cherry Hill remains the oldest homestead in Peel County. Many things have passed through the doors of the historic house, including the mystery of the missing groom, which was recorded in the media at the time of the incident. Joseph and his wife, Jane, lived there and they ended up having 12 children there 12 children i can barely get through one i don't Mm -hmm. know how the fuck this happened they had Mm -hmm. nine daughters and three sons 
Yes. So, um, healthy marriage, right? <laughs> Fair enough. Joseph called the home Cherry Hill because they had a cherry tree orchard that he had planted that stretched for a mile behind their house. The home was a colonial style and it was designed a lot like the New England homes where he had been born. The Southern Ontario Paranormal Society have christened Cherry Hill as one of Canada's top haunted landmarks. So I'm, this is why I'm surprised I had never heard of this place. It's so close. It's like, what, 45 minutes away from us? Not even. And one of the most haunted yeah, places in Canada, 35 apparently. If you're, if you're taking if, if the you're right. you. Yeah, for me. <laughs> if you're going 130 and in the HOV lane. Uh, so when Ron Duquette, the writer of this article, when he first found out about the Cherry Hill House in the early 1970s, it was owned by a developer named Bruce McLaughlin, and he worked for Bruce McLaughlin at the time. The city was planning a road realignment at the corner, and the land had been, um, I guess, zoned for that purpose. So the plans had a new road running right through the house. And many local historians were upset because they didn't want to lose the like the his- the history of that property, basically, you know. So they were trying to find ways to save it. And then Bruce McLaughlin um, acknowledged that the home was important and asked Ron, the writer of the article again, to coordinate an assessment of the project. So then in in July of 1973, they actually moved the whole house. So they took it off of its foundation and they moved it on a flatbed truck about 400 yards north of its original site to the corner of Silver Creek Boulevard and Lolita Gardens. And this is when the hauntings began to surface. While it was being refurbished, there were locals who t- who said that they had seen a young girl looking out from the upstairs windows. Construction workers would not work there after dark uh, because they had experienced, um, like they had finished electrical work there, and then the next day they would come back and all of it would be undone. So they were like, yeah, we're not going to be here at night. Mm -hmm. Uh, They also had unexplained knocking sounds and found that their tools were being moved around the house. An overnight security guard was chased from the property by an apparition in the early Mm. hours of the morning, dressed in a white cape and riding a white palomino, which is a breed of horse. He refused to return back to work. He would never, he never went back. So... Obviously, the rumors spread. They caught the attention of the media. And then there was a local reporter, again named Ron, not the same Ron. His name was Ron Lennick, and he worked for Mississauga News. And he came to this journalist and said, why don't we hold a seance and see if these reports have any truth to them? So that thinking that ends, ends well. Always. <laughs> thinking mm-hmm. that the project could use some positive publicity, Ron Duquette agreed. So they made arrangements, they hired a professional medium, um, along with three other people. One of them was a young female reporter and um, another reporter, like as an observer. It was agreed that Ron Duquette would sit away from the small table located in the center of the large upper room of the home and watch the process. 
It was a cool early fall evening when they assembled at midnight. The room was in total darkness except for three candles and a tray of biscuits in the center of the table for snackies. The medium medium explained the process, asked that they all hold hands, close their eyes, and through her psychic abilities, summoned any descendants of the Silverthorn family to come and, uh, you know, make themselves known. Then there was total silence. You could hear the candles flicker 30 minutes into the trance-like proceedings had passed, and then footsteps could be heard on the stairs leading up to the room, but nobody appeared in the door. Again, there was silence. Another 15 minutes passed, and then the young female reporter began to sweat heavily. She then started moaning and shaking, at which time the medium asked that she communicate with the others. What happened next was as bizarre as it gets. Still panting, the young woman started to speak in a heavy, deep dialect of a Scottish male soldier. Oh, my Lord. Mm -hmm. who claimed to have been injured fighting in the Boer War and was seeking medical attention. He said that his name was Hamish McKenzie. Sensing losing control and a potentially dangerous outcome, the medium curtailed the seance by breaking the circle of hands. She extinguished the candles and ended the session. The reporter had no recollection of the incident, and Ron was told later that she actually spent the next few days in bed with severe headaches. So who was the mysterious soldier? They did research later, and they never uncovered any relationship with the family and the historic conflict. So to me, that just means probably the land had something to do with it. So after the construction workers ended like they finished refurbishing the home cherry hill ended up opening as a fine dining restaurant with an irish pub that was in the basement and through the years the owner and the wait staff would talk about paranormal experiences that they had had there including lights dimming and then getting really bright tables and glasses would tip over by themselves doors would open and close by themselves with wisps of air passing by unexpectedly And equipment would be placed in a location. And then when you would turn around, it would be moved to a completely different location. So it became an accepted fact that the home was haunted and that the spirits could live and work with with the staff in harmony. So Ron goes on to say that in preparation for the article that he wrote, he talked to Penny McCabe, who just recently opened up Penny's Favorites in Cherry Hill, a unique dining experience where you select your menu items and reserve your seating before you arrive. When asked if she enjoyed the ghost experiences, she commented, they don't seem to like my choice in music. Every once in a while, the player shuts off until I select something different. A few times, lights that I know I turned off have suddenly been turned on. Nothing much else yet. I'm looking forward to more unusual activity, she claimed. If I was a ghost, that's the shit that I would definitely do. Change people's Turn music or tell them to... Off. Yeah, like not, not vibing with this. That's, Marie, that's the one thing li- I would do. Marie, you've listened to enough My Chemical Romance today. It's time to move on. Time to move on. For sure. Amazing. Okay, so then in the cher- in the article is the Cherry Hill House Haunted in In Saga. Um, this journalist went to Cherry Hill, and so she describes her experience. So 
It starts off, beware the ghosts of Cherry Hill, they said, and I laughed. I don't believe in that. Fables of a little girl lurking around the house seemed all too surreal to me, as well as the idea that the stones used, oh, this was the other thing, the um, the stones used for the foundation of the house were taken from an ancient uh, indigenous burial ground, which like there's, the, I've checked so many different articles. Hers was the only one that said that, so like I feel weird even saying that mm-hmm. but I'm just reading her quote so um, yeah but I yeah. I don't I don't believe that part of the story um so she goes on to say then I decided to do a little research and I was shocked to find the amount of testimonies online claiming that this Mississauga landmark is in fact haunted um I decided to see for myself upon arrival I noticed that based on the photos I had researched the original 1922 structure was mostly still intact especially considering that in 1973 the house had been moved to a new foundation apparently this is when the hauntings began to occur residents in the area say that according to the story the members of the family who originally owned the house are upset that it was relocated and are haunting the people who visit Oh my god, I thought I just saw uh, something out of the corner of my eye. I hope it was just like an eyelash. Okay, so... (laughs) I was scared. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Patrons have reported mysterious sightings of a small girl in the windows of vacant rooms upstairs. According to customers, many have experienced the lights dimming for no apparent reasons, glass, uh, glasses falling off the tables cold spots in certain areas of the house, and even apparitions appearing in the mirrors. Uh, During renovations... Oh, so then she talks to a a bartender that works there, and she said, During renovations, I remember some contractors refusing to work here past dark. This woman's name is Ashley Pacheco. I've worked here for years at night, and I've seen some pretty weird stuff, she added. Pacheco works in the basement bar, and she's felt the paranormal presence there for as long as she can remember. She remembers instances where she'd put down bottles or glasses, and then when she would turn around to pick them up, they'd be moved. Um, It could be my imagination. We get pretty busy in here, but it doesn't happen to me anywhere else, she said. She says that she's become used to the lights dimming and then getting brighter. So... There I sat with my glass of Pinot Grigio and my Caprese salad, waiting for the ghosts to appear. Sure, I'm a skeptic and as sarcastic as they come, but come on, ghosts, really? Then it happened. My first experience with this place. Sure, it could have been my mind playing tricks on me, or the Pinot getting to my head, but I could have sworn I placed my fork on my left and my knife on my right. I know this because I'm left-handed and it's natural for me to place my utensils this way, Not to mention, I remember deliberately doing it. Yet sure enough, I looked down and they were reversed. Weird, but not impossible. I asked the waitress if she moved them. She looked at me like I was crazy. Due to neglect, the house soon decayed and was lost in the depression because of unpaid taxes. Years later, the house was adopted by the city as a historic site, and then after going through renovations, that's when they ended up reopening it as the restaurant. Today, the Cherry Hill House is operated by Mickey Belote and remains as both a restaurant and a spectacle that people come from all over to see. Even though it is said to be haunted, people in the neighborhood encourage other people to come and check it out, even if just for the food. If you're from Mississauga, it's a great place to see where some of the original roots of the city were planted. 
As I sat there contemplating the truth behind the haunted rumors, I kept staring at a mirror on the wall across from me, hoping to see the ghosts of Cherry Hill past. And after 45 minutes, I felt like I could leave, assured that my skepticism was justified. But then, just as soon as I got up to leave, I noticed the mirror that I had been staring at the entire time suddenly shift and was now sitting at a slight angle. Holy shit. That being said, it's kind of a rush feeling stupid and afraid, and I recommend checking the place out, especially if you're from Mississauga. This place was home to some of our original settlers, and it's quite nostalgic knowing that they once lived here, even if they're haunting it now. So the last thing that I found was a University of Toronto research paper that was published by a man Mm -hmm. named Gary W. Crawford, and he's an anthropological archaeologist who specializes in archaeological botany and environmental archaeology. And it's not much, but like this is what he had to say about it. The first excavation I directed was an Ontario Archaeological Society-sponsored rescue excavation in 1973 of the Silverthorne Homestead, settled in 1807 in Mississauga on Dundas Street, just west of Cothra. The intersection of Cothra and Dundas was being modified and apartments were being constructed. The significance of the property was well known. Silverthorne Collegiate is named after the family, for example. The house was moved from from its original location to a spot not far away from where it stands today as the Cherry Hill House restaurant. Some say the house is haunted. I was present during one of the hauntings and I met the horse riding ghost. Oh, okay. Okay. So this man who's an archaeological scientist is saying that he actually saw this ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he goes on to say that one of the reasons to salvage information about the site was to see if they could find evidence of the earliest presence of the family who received the land as a grant from the government because they were United Empire loyalists. And they found far more than what they anticipated because they found a buried refuse pit and buried architecture. The artifact collected from the site is exceptional and huge. The collection is at the Bradley Museum today, and it's still being analyzed. We never did get much money for the analysis. No one suspected the site was going to be so complex. So much of it was done on a voluntary basis. Students wrote reports, and some experts helped with the aspect of the study. For stories about the site, the Mississauga Library has a collection on the site at Cherry Hill. Wow. Yeah. And I don't know how we've never heard of this before. Right? I didn't, I don't know either. And apparently yeah. the little girl is one of the daughters. That makes sense. And she's also the one who rides the horse. Oh, nice. Yeah, which I forgot to mention. But anyways, there's the story of the Cherry Hill ghosts. Very cool. I like yeah. it. We could, we could visit that location. Hop, and go skip have it dinner. and jump away. H-O-V, yeah. line it up. Let's go. Hell yeah. We'll get there in 25 minutes. Um, <laughs> Perfect. um all right awesome well uh let's take a little little breaky poo Mm -hmm. and we'll come back and i'll uh i'll do my stories the indian head screaming house was basically one of our uh, listeners had sent us in two, probably two years ago, uh, a story saying that basically it's a, it's a stone 
building, like a home that was in the middle of Indian Head, um, and I'll, I'll detail where it is, but basically she said that her brother-in-law is a railroader and has heard the screams and firsthand and said that like they were bone chilling. So this is the background um, of that kind of uh, that haunt that she told us at that hometown that she told us about, which I got my information from hauntedplaces.org, Indian Head Screaming House, and Ghost Stories of Saskatchewan 3 by Joanne Christensen. There are many historic field stone houses doting Saskatchewan's pristine rural landscape. It's interesting considering the relative scarcity of stone in the prairies, the fact that settlers were willing to scour the fields and the creek beds in search of it speaks to their love of stone as a building material and their high regard for its beauty, durability, and performance. Indeed, many of these buildings stand today, where their wooden counterparts have long since rotted into the earth. One field stone structure that is of particular interest to ghost story aficionados is known as the Screaming House. It sits beside the railroad tracks, just two kilometers east of Indian Head, on the Trans-Canada Highway. This small, two-story house was abandoned long ago. Today, it sits empty and forgotten, serving only as a point of interest to those who might marvel at their colorful split stone or wonder about the curious fact that the windows on one side of the home have been filled in, their frames packed solidly with more stone and mortar. As it happens, there was a story about those mysterious blocked windows. It goes like this. Long ago, in the late 1800s, a couple with a young family lived in the little farmhouse. By some accounts, they had two young children, by others, only one child. What is consistent in the story is that one youngster, no more than three or four years of age, was playing outside early one evening as a train approached. The mother heard the wailing of the whistle and the rumble of the massive engine and thought she should check on her little one. She looked out the window in time to witness her child toddling along the tracks just before the train struck him down. Oof. Yeah. Understandably, the woman was devastated. Every time she looked out a window and faced the train tracks, she imagined the horrific accident all over again. Finally, in an attempt to maintain her fragile sanity, the woman's husband filled in both windows that faced the tracks. Oh gosh, that's so yeah. sad. He reasoned that as long as she was inside her home, his wife would never have to look at that scene of her son's death again. But according to legend, the woman never recovered from the shock and could never forget her tragedy, even in death. It is said that even today, if you happen to be in the house at sunset as a train rumbles by, you will hear her anguished screams. Another version of the story says that on gloomy nights, you can witness the shadowy spectres of two young children playing near the tracks. Yet another, that the spiritual energy is so powerful in that location that it is impossible to coax a dog or any animal into what remains of the house. Yikes. Yeah. It is common for there to be different versions of this type of ghostly legend, but the real question is not which version of the story is true, but rather, is there any truth to any of them? Is there anything paranormal about this so-called screaming house? Or is this simply a classic case of a folktale, custom designed to suit an odd, structural detail of the house? Well, that depends on whom you ask. 
So basically, people have gone and not experienced anything and have reported, you know, there's nothing to see here. But they say that it really has to do with the time of day that it they go and when it occurs. So that obviously um, impacts it because of the type of haunting it is. Right. So Chris Oxtoby, who writes the blog Prairie Spectras, uh, investigated the house in June of 2008. In the entry he wrote following the visit, he claimed that he felt nothing and found nothing more interesting than a small squatter's pad on the second floor. I wonder he wrote if I returned in the evening if the farmhouse would take on a different feel. According to Ed Defosis, it might. Ed grew up in Sintaluta, a few kilometers down the highway from the Indian headhouse. He's known of the place his whole life. I've heard lots of stories about it, he said. I've heard they've had psychics in there who have felt the presence of ghosts. They say you can see the spirits of the woman's kids. Despite being so familiar with the stories, however, Ed was always reluctant to believe them. I've never seen them myself, Ed said. If I see something, then okay, I can believe it. If not, then okay, it's just talk. One evening, several years ago, Ed and a few of his friends decided to take a look around the little stone farmhouse and see if there was anything to the talk. They went into the building with nothing but flashlights and a sense of bravado. They came out with a story to tell. There were about five or six of us, Ed remembered. We went into the house with two flashlights. We walked around the main floor, looked around. The flashlights were fine. We went upstairs, looked around. The flashlights were fine. Then we went down to the basement and suddenly the flashlights quit. Both of them. Luckily, Ed and his friends were carrying lighters. They took took them out and used their flames to illuminate the darkness while they fiddled with the flashlights in an attempt to fix them. Nothing seemed to work. Eventually, the group gave up. They realized the dangers of stumbling around an ancient basement with nothing but a flickering lighter flame to shed light on the potential dangers. Carefully, they felt their way back up the darkened staircase. Once upstairs, they walked straight outside, and the second they did, the flashlights came right back on, said Ed. The very minute that the group left the house, the lights came back on, steady and strong, and at exactly the same moment, basically said, Ed, we didn't go back in when we left. No, definitely not. Yeah. (laughs) A creepy coincidence or something more? Even a level-headed skeptic like Ed Defosis seems tempted to say that there is something paranormal going on in the picturesque shell of a home. And there are many who agree. In fact, some theorists believe that the very material the house is made of may have contributed to its haunted status. Paranormal researchers tend to classify most hauntings as being either intelligent, meaning that the ghost is aware of its surroundings and reacts accordingly, or residual, where an event is replayed over and over like a recording. Residual hauntings are theoretically created by either the repetition of a mundane action or by a single event of great emotional intensity. The house near Indian Head would seem to fall into the latter category. If the story of the woman witnessing her child's death on the train tracks is indeed true, it is no wonder that her profound shock created an impression that could be replayed, like a recording, more than a century after the fact. And according to um, the correspondence with paranormal writer, researcher, and lecturer W. Ritchie Benedict, the very material that the house was made of might have been the perfect recording device. It would largely depend on the physical composition of the object or building, 
how efficient a storage device it would be, wrote Benedict. He added, it seems logical that stone buildings that contain traces of quartz or feldspar would be most conducive to such recording. So, a woman witnesses the grisly death of her child, her horror is literally recorded in the fieldstone walls of her house, and for years to come, when certain elements, time of day, approaching train, weather conditions, combine to push the play button, as it were, a recording of the accident is replayed. It is a theory that has long been applied to European castles with their man-made mountains of stonework and countless spectras. Imagine, Benedict wrote, if we could develop a device that could read sounds and images recorded in old objects and buildings. His musings bring to mind the age-old saying, if only walls could talk. Perhaps, in such cases as the Screaming House near Indian Head, they both can and do. So that's the story of the Screaming House. Um, Someone had commented as well on it saying that they were vacationing nearby and they basically said, this is the story. I'm not sure if or what it was like what they saw, but this is what they said. Not one word of a lie. This summer in early June, a friend and I hopped off a train to Broadview, got a ride to Wolseley and decided to rest up for the night. Bastard was snoring so loud, so I grabbed my shit and moved to the side of the visitor center building, like by the water fountain. (laughs) I have no idea if it's related to the screaming house thing, but I was dead frozen scared shitless, watching, like an orb type thing, which I was saying to myself, it's a motorcycle light. Nope, like a translucent orb thingy went down that sort of windy road from the gas station to the highway, stopped and a car drove through it hovered between the intersection for a good five minutes, then hovered to the other side of the highway where there's like an old VW bug parked in a ditch or something, then came rolling down the highway going west, and I'm gobsmacked, still standing still, losing my shit. When it came by, I'm standing halfway between the water fountain and the visitor dome-type building, plain as day, no noise, just a hovering, almost pulsating orb, and like smoky trails of what looked like a man in a scooter, like a fat person's scooter, If I was going to make that up, I wouldn't say fat guy scooter. Anyway, (laughs) freakiest shit I have ever seen firsthand witnessed. Oh my God. Okay, I believe it. (laughs) I mean, I had to share because it was hilarious. I love that. Also, it feels like he was still like shooketh writing this story that he had just experienced. Uh, Anyway. Sweet. Okay, awesome. All right. Well, okay. So we're in Libra season, which I want to say is like maybe my second or third favorite season. Yeah. I do get along with Libras quite well. So yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. I know you do. Yeah. 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 Um, So yeah, let's look up some attractive Libras. All right. Or not. Or any or not Libra, attractive really. Libras, yeah. Yeah, or uh. any Libra. Libra celebrities. We just pick Libras from our high school. <laughs> All right, I will go first. I've got some okay. for you. Okay, okay so I'm going to go with Brie Larson. Okay. I will go with Eminem. Okay. And let's do Gwyneth Paltrow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I'm going to kill Eminem. Okay. I'm going to marry Brie Larson. Mm-hmm. And sleep with Gwyneth Paltrow. 
I would kill Gwyneth Paltrow. Okay. Have sex with Eminem. Mm-hmm. And marry Brie Larson. Okay, yeah. I honestly, when you said Gwyneth Paltrow in my head, I thought Gwen Stefani. Oh, so, no. I'd still kill her too, though. <laughs> really? Okay. So I agree. I agree with you. We are going to kill Gwyneth Paltrow. I am going to kill Gwyneth Paltrow. I will have sex with Eminem and marry Brie Larson. Those are the right answers. For okay, good. Well. Those are the right answers. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> okay so mine are uh john krasinski halsey and kim kardashian okay uh i love john krasinski and i love it's embarrassing but i love kim kardashian which leads me i know no choice but to kill halsey yep. sorry halsey um i would marry kim and have sex with john I would reverse. I would I would kill Halsey, have sex with Kim Kardashian, marry John. 1000%. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. I would want to be yeah. married to Kim Kardashian. That's cool. I mean, yeah. totally. Just a business woman. I just feel like, like I would like <laughs> Admir is like a not famous John Krasinski. That's fair. So, that's fair. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> I stand by my decision. I st- it's a good, I, it's idea. A good idea. And I, <laughs> and stand, I stand by it. <laughs> Who's popular now, pal? <laughs> that is one of my favorite skits on that show. It's Admir so and I good. watched it three times the other day. Oh my god. Just that skit. Yeah. The I think you should I sent it to you this morning, but the I think you should leave Turbo Team Twitter responded to that has to be the, the best show thing ever that Cody is gonna be on from yeah. Spooked. So. It, that's unreal. I was dying. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, all right guys. Well uh that's that's showbiz, baby. Yeah, stay spooky everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Oh also, wait, 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 before we leave, yeah. before we leave. Let's yeah, yeah. okay. So as some of you know, on Instagram, I have dropped our giveaway for the month. Um, you have basically three, a little over three weeks to enter. Um, the way that you can enter for the spooky uh, prize pack is by following us, if you're not. So follow at Paranormal Pod. Um, follow at the pressed aesthetic. Uh, you can see how that's spelled on the post. Um, but basically, she is providing the uh, custom press-on nails. So anyone who wins will get their own custom set of nails that they can choose or they can take from the ones that I've posted if they prefer it. Um, and yeah, so basically, check out the post. All you have to do is follow those two accounts tag your friends every single tag gets you one entry into so I we will do a random generator for all of the entries so if you do 20 tags that just means you have more entries in the random generator um and and then yeah that's pretty much it and then share it to your story or else you won't be included uh in the random entry thing so yeah that's it amazing so that's our giveaway for the month. I will be dropping other little uh, tidbits along the way as to what the prize pack will include. But the big thing is the uh, the, the custom press-ons. 
So yeah, yeah those are so cool. I'm actually yeah, jealous. We cannot enter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to pay her to make me some. Regardless. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, in All right, that guys. case, everyone just stay spooky. Yeah. Because that's showbiz, baby. <laughs> Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.